Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to the Phantom Files, a sci-fi wire podcast about people who really, really love stuff. I'm Jordan Zacharin, the features editor here at Sci-Fi, and I'm joined by my good pal and co-host, Emily Gaudette, who is a pop culture reporter at Newsweek. Emily, what's up? Uh, not much. What's up, man? Not much. <laughs> what's going cool. on? Great. What is, the, what is the geekiest thing you did this week? Um, I adopted a third pet rat. Oh my God, no you didn't. Yep, and I named Why her... Why did you tell me? I was waiting to tell you on the episode. Oh my God. Because... What a, it was a geeky thing. Uh, so the Jeez. geeky part is that my rats are named for women in the Alien franchise. Right. I have Newt and Ripley. And this third one is Momo, plot twist, uh, short for the Nostromo, which oh. is the ship they're on. Yes. Wow. Yeah. That is... Are you? Were you like a big Alien fan growing up? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I had never seen a greater image of than... Uh, Sigourney Weaver with the big flamethrower on one hip and little Newt on the other. Like, I, I would get that tattooed on my body if I wasn't so afraid of pain. Mm. What are you going to do if you get a fourth rat? Uh, my dad suggested Tara for tear a hole in your sternum, which I don't know how I feel about that. Wow. And it's, uh, <laughs> how quick was he when he said that? Was it like uh, Pretty quick. Yeah, wow. he's he likes the puns. And also, he loved the Alien franchise. He was like, oh, you're going to love this. The, the woman's a hero. And I was like, seven. <laughs> wow. The movies are horrifying. Uh, I specifically remember the scene where the in the second one, the guy's on the wall and he's like, kill me. And my dad was like, isn't this great? <laughs> Wait, did you make that impression again? Kill me. And you're like, kill me. <laughs> it's like Mr. Head. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Anyway. What's the geekiest thing you did this week? Uh, you know, I watched a lot of Jessica Jones. I never finished the first season. Ooh. Uh, so I finished that that season so that I can watch the new season. Cool. So I did that. How did you feel? It's good. You know, I feel like every Marvel show is a little too long. Yes, I agree. I think the twists were good. Mm-hmm. You know, I think David Tennant was, the twist around him was really good. Um, and I mean, Kristen Ritter's incredible. She's awesome. Yeah. I believe her. That's the only one I will say of the Marvel shows. When I'm watching it, I forget that it's Kristen Ritter, and I think that I'm watching. I feel like that's her persona, woman. you know. Yeah, it's possible that yeah. she is. Yeah, Jessica. Yeah, yeah. And then I looked at a lot of Godzilla stuff on sites like Redbubble and Etsy. Like, I want to hang some more stuff in my cubicle. Isn't that? That's where I am in my life. I want to hang stuff in my cubicle. Oh God. Yeah. So I looked at You're a lot of Godzilla stuff. Put someone's stapler in a plate of Jello soon. Oh boy. <laughs> Well, you know, that was when the office was good. Once Jim was happy to live there, that's when it got bad. Mm. Anyways. <laughs> but the big news this week is the release of Black Panther, the Marvel movie that is making box office and, more significantly, cultural history. It is the first solo movie for a black superhero in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And not only that, it has an almost entirely black cast. And beyond that, it's a powerful film that deals with the issues of black identity, colonization, and historical wrongs. Jamil Smith's Time Magazine cover story about the movie covered many of those topics, and uh, he has graciously agreed to be on the show to talk about the movie and the bigger picture with us this evening. Jamil, how's it going? Not too bad. How about yourself? Doing well. Doing well, man. Yeah, we're doing well. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for taking the time. 
course, of course, happy to do it. Yeah, so the, the story was great, um, and you open with a story about your childhood in Lando Calrissian uh, and seeing him on screen. That was the first movie you remember seeing Empire Strikes Back. Indeed. Yeah, I was uh, probably around five years old. Maybe uh, was the year I turned five. So, uh, you know, sometime that summer or sometime in the fall, I remember very clearly uh, one of the first images that's most, you know, delible is uh, Lando and Chewie at the end pulling away to go find Han. Sorry, spoiler alert. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I just, I, the, the fact that, you know, you have a guy here who's complicated, you know, he, yeah, he betrays his friend, but he eventually, he eventually comes around and does the right thing. He runs his own city. You don't see a whole lot of you know black guys in 1980 in a major main you know major emotion picture doing that. Um, I think even at that age it had an effect on me. And so what I think with Black Panther is happening now, you're seeing a lot of young uh, young people going to this film. They're going to have forever for the rest of their lives an image of themselves uh, on the screen, whether they're boys or girls, that is powerful, that's complicated, that's interesting, and and, and intelligently uh, depicted. So. I think that's invaluable, and I think, frankly, you know, see, you see why it's got some of, uh, you know, you know, some folks a little upset because, you know, frankly, there's not a lot of people that want to see have black kids uh, have those kinds of role models. Mm. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. So when I mean, the, the thing about this movie is there's so many great characters too. It's not just Black Panther and uh, you know one right. other person. It's so many the whole the whole army, you know, and uh, his allies, his enemies are all powerful, smart, complicated people. Indeed. I mean, you have, uh, you know, Wakabi, you know, his best friend, who's played by Daniel Kaluuya, uh, you know, from Get Out. <laughs> you know, you got a complicated character there yeah. that has some depth. So you have Shuri, his, his little sister, who is a tech genius, is like, you know, uh, <laughs> smarter than Tony Stark, you know, according to, the, you know, the people in the comic. And then, you, you know, you have Queen Ramondo, who's played by Angela Bassett. You have, uh, you know, Nakia. All these wonderful, frankly, women in the story, and I think it's an important thing to note because you see in this film uh, T'Challa, the king of Wakanda, deferring often to the women in his life. You know, Okoye, the head of the uh, Dora Milaje, his royal guard. You have him deferring to Nakia, his mother, um, to his sister. So I think it's an important image for boys uh, as they see a hero who, you know, maybe you know looks like them or doesn't. Um, Still, you know, I think it's important, no matter what color the the viewer is, to see uh, a male character uh, deferring to women in that in that sort of fashion. You know what I and I spoke about this with Emily, I think, a few weeks ago. What I really loved about the movie, and you know, we're going to release this on Monday, so it's okay to uh, talk about some spoilers. I love that the hero changes. Also, he's not just defending a status quo. You know, T'Challa does mm-hmm. change, and has his uh, perspective changed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, and the thing is, you know. There's a point at which a lot of people watching this film are going to sympathize with the villain. Um, you know, he comes from this, you know, awful childhood, and he's, uh, he's been wronged. You know, it's, 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 it's not really arguable that he has been wronged and that he has a beef, a legitimate beef, with, uh, with Wakanda. So I think that, you know, <laughs> maybe the point of Michael B. Jordan's charm and, 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 and panache is you know, playing into that, but I think thematically it's a really interesting risk to take in a major, you know, mega-budget film like this to have, a, you know, a, a story that revolves around a, a key, um, you know, thing that a lot, a lot of you know, black households talk about is, you know, if you had the power to level the playing field, how do you use it? And, you know, Wakanda has that power. And in this film, you see two very different approaches to using that to help black people around the world. 
So, Jamil, you mentioned seeing <clears throat> Star Wars really early in your life. Were you a lifelong geek after that? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, yeah, Star Wars. Oh my gosh! I, you should have had my mother on the line. You know, I'll tell her how many. T- tell you guys how many times that, uh, they had to take me to see Return of the Jedi, and, <laughs> and uh, how much money I've you know spent on Star Wars toys and movies and items. Uh, Star Wars, Star Trek, also. Um, my, me and my that was me and my dad's thing, um, and uh, just pretty much anything you could you know a nerd can get his hands on, um, and. I, I find that you know comics are literature and should be treated as such. And I think that if we you know we get too dismissive of these kinds of stories, oh, it's just a superhero movie. Mm-hmm. What are you getting so excited about? Well, superhero movies are some of our greatest narratives. And if we get you know lost into you know in in the whole you know, preconception, oh, okay, well they're just cartoons or you're made for kids. Well, then we miss out on some really, really great storytelling. So um, I've stuck with it, and uh, I think it's uh, it helped inform my uh, my perspective when writing this piece. You know, and it's like a redemption redemption story for people who are geeks, you know, pre two thousand ten or something like that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Indeed, the geeks have. I mean, it's you know, it's like the old revenge of the nerds. They like the, the nerds will win eventually. <laughs> you know, we might need some help, but we're going to win. And uh, you know, that's it's it, it's gratifying to see. Uh, you know, first of all, the superhero genre, you know, take flight in the way that it has, but also to see this, you know, these really intelligent um, interpretations of it. And uh, you know, for the, whether it's the Dark Knight series or. You know, Man of Steel, which I will defend, um, oh. or you know, you, you have uh, you know, you know, the Black Panther film and some some of the other Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, stories. I think you know you're seeing this taken being taken seriously, and the benefit of when it's actually taken seriously. I just I found it tremendous that Black Panther, in addition to being so culturally important was also possibly the best Marvel movie so far. I yeah. mean, it's definitely being reviewed that way. It, it was just so sophisticated in its construction. It just blew every villain previously out of the water. Uh, I don't know. Specifically, I loved that we got to see Killmonger with his father dealing with yeah. that. Like, we don't get that with other Marvel villains. Yeah, I didn't anticipate having a jerker scene in the middle of a Marvel movie. Yeah. That was That was... Brutal. That was really tough. Um, and I don't want to ruin that for anyone listening who hasn't seen the film, but just, just know that it's coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and know that Sterling K. Brown, I, I don't, you know, I haven't watched This Is Us because I don't feel like crying when I watch television, <laughs> but apparently this guy just has a natural talent for it because he is tremendous <laughs> in a very small role in this film. Um, but I think that, you know, when you see that picture, these very different pictures of black fatherhood that mm-hmm. played throughout the film, um, I think is also something that's worth noticing. Um, I wish I'd had another 2,000 words or something to delve into this stuff, but, um, you know, to see how both T'Challa and Killmonger deal with their, the legacies left for them by their fathers mm-hmm. is really, really compelling. And it isn't something necessarily that a Marvel movie had to do. You know, Ryan Coogler and Joe Robert Cole, who wrote this, you know, they took some risks that, frankly, they didn't really need to in order to get by. They could have made an average sort of paint-by-numbers Marvel movie mm-hmm. and gotten by. But I love the, 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 the recent trend that we're seeing, you know, with Ragnarok, of course, being very comedic and, you know, and risky and funny. And then you see uh, Black Panther taking its own risks. It, it makes me optimistic about what we'll see uh, going forward with that series. I mean, Ryan Coogler is a tremendous filmmaker. I remember seeing Fruitvale Station, you know, 
way before it was released and just being stunned by it. And he's from Oakland. So there was a bit of personal element to this movie to him. And you spoke with him for the story. He obviously bears the weight of that expectation and you know responsibility really well. Indeed. And, uh, you know, I, I asked him about, um, you know, what, what sort of personal elements of this, you know, st- of your own story did you infuse into this? And he told me that, you know, inevitably his movies end up being about identity. Uh, you know, whether it's Fruitvale Station uh, or Creed, mm-hmm. even uh, the, you know, the really great Rocky sequel that he made. Um, it, you know, it's about, you know, people learning who they are, but also, um, you know, learning who they are based upon how other people perceive them. And so, you know, it, it, this movie is very heavy on identity. Um, and so it's not something that, you know, I think keeps it from being, you know, light and, and, and energetic and fun. It doesn't weigh it down. But I think it, it certainly um, adds a, a, a real depth to the story that, that, you know, again, didn't necessarily need to be there if you're just making an average Marvel flick. Did he say, like, why that? I mean, obviously, he, he wants to make his movies personal. Everyone has that as a filmmaker. That's the reason you do it. But did you ask him why he decided to take those risks in a way? Or did he even think of them as risks? Well, he, he described, you know, that this being a time that he really felt like he needed to connect with you know, with Mother Africa, so to speak, with the continent. Um, and I've felt that pull myself. I mean, uh, you know, he's he's considerably younger than I am, and, you know, he, he just felt the, you know, the pull around the same time that I did in his early 30s to go to Africa. Now, I never got to go, but he got to explore it, and he really got to, um, you know, I think, you know, understand, you know, to the, to the extent that most African-Americans are able to, uh, what, you know, kind of connections we can draw to the continent. It, there really is a lot here in the film and in, you know, in Kugler and, is, uh, and Cole's script about how African-Americans are disconnected from the continent. Mm-hmm. And uh, because of, you know, thank you, you know, the legacy of slavery, obviously. And, um, you know, you don't have to necessarily know a whole lot about that to understand the cues that are played throughout the film, and uh, and how that uh, and how that resonates. It, um, I, I mean, frankly, I'm interested to know how people of other cultures see the film because, I mean, when I see it, it's just like everything is is just in such stark relief. Um, all these different themes that you know, I've been thinking about my whole life, and you know, talking about with family or or learning about in school or reading on my own, exploring through my journalism. It is just. It's more than you know I ever expected from from a film like this. Mm. I uh, I know you talked to Chadwick Boseman too. What I found interesting about him developing uh, T'Challa's identity was didn't he patchwork the accent together based on where Wakanda is on Marvel's map? Yes, yes, he did. That's incredible. He told me that uh, that he was trying to make it as specific as he could to that location. Now, of course, it, it, there's a, a very quick allusion to where Wakanda is. Mm-hmm. In the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I think it's in Iron Man 2 towards the end, there's a map behind Tony Stark and you see Wakanda on the map, you know, in the eastern part of Africa. Um, and uh, it's, you know, it's a credit to him, uh, frankly, that he that he sought that kind of uh, authenticity. I was also on a panel uh, recently with one of the actresses who played uh, one of the Dora Milaje soldiers, and she told me that, you know, they had dialect coaches who were there with them, who were very, very specific about the region of Africa in which they were, you know, playing in, so to speak, and also, um, you know, about all the different other cultural traditions, everything from, um, 
you know, the, the kinds of, you know, ornamental clothing that they were wearing, uh, the disc in the lips, you know, you've mm-hmm. seen that um, in all these different things that are specific to that region. So that it's not just simply some kind of like, you know, anonymous, uh, you know, uh, amalgamation of all of Africa. It's not possible to make, you know, this one nation represent all 54 nations mm-hmm. on that continent. It's a very specific place, and it's a credit to them that they made sure that they maintain that. Well, and like you mentioned in the story, I mean, Donald Trump called Africa, you know, uh, countries, uh, in the countries in Africa, he called it, you know, shithole nations. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of American media doesn't, I think, I mean, that guy watches a lot of TV, right? Yeah. I think that's where yeah. he gets the perception. And, you know, not that Wakanda is real, but seeing the, the incredible traditions from, you know, real African nations and, tri- and groups of people that they worked into the movie. And, you know, we did an interview with uh, Ruth Carter, the, the she did the costumes and talked about how the different, there were different prints and symbols embedded in these costumes. I think it gives people, and, you know, both of us are white, uh, so to like give us a better understanding and even if it's through like a fictional nation uh, a much more complex rich continent that I think a lot of Americans uh, white Americans don't usually see mm-hmm. right and yeah I think that yeah, that's an interesting point I, yeah certainly they could not have planned for this movie to be coming out in the Trump era when mm-hmm. they started making it but it's interesting that it is uh, because you know the president making that remark you know, emphasizes that, you know, first of all, he doesn't really know anything about Africa um, or the nations within it. But also, you know, that these kinds, you know, if if you're going to call a country a shithole, well, shitholes are not naturally occurring. They're made. Mm -hmm. And you, you, you have to understand the role of colonialism, of outside invaders, of usurpers, you know, and that's, that's why Wakanda is so, you know, I guess you could call conservative. You know, they are trying to be an isolationist nation because they want to make sure that they maintain their way of life without the influence or the ruinous effects of, you know, people from the outside world. Because they know what kind of resource that they have, and they know that how it can benefit the world in a way, but it is also something that they understand that they can't, they can't trust the world because of the history of this world. If we didn't have a history rife with, with people you know, plundering Africa and uh, in its natural resources and the people within it, um, you know, perhaps they might have a different approach. But I think that it was smart for you know, in the, ori- you know, the original conception of the character to have Wakanda be this isolationist place. And that's really interesting how they play with that in the themes of this film. I'm interested to see how much um, that changes going forth considering how things develop in the in the story. Mm-hmm. Well, and I love that aspect where you know we think of you know the UN delivering help to Africa all the time. You know, um, that's how Americans often see it as like we're giving help, and it's a place that needs that charity, I guess. But you know, at the end of this movie, spoiler alert, it's it's the other way around, right? Wakanda is going to like help us clean up our act. Yeah, and then, you know, and of course, there's, you know, there's these legions of white people in that room who are, well, you know, just have these quizzical looks on their faces. What can this, you know, tiny African nation uh, that has never accepted help and, you know, has, you know, we have this particular idea of it, but that also is, is a message to people to reconsider their conceptions of Africa. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Lagos, Nigeria is one of the most interesting and technologically adept metropolises in the world. Now, yeah, I mean, every every place has its poor areas, but... You know, let's pay attention to what's actually happening in Africa rather than taking the president's word for it. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh I, I mean, I personally 
like for once that we've seen Infinity War trailers because we know that we're going to be back in Wakanda in a few months. Yeah. Um, I, I just found that exciting watching it. Like, oh man, not only have we just been introduced to this world, but we're going to see these characters that we've watched for a decade now also learn these new things. I've been trying to wean myself off of trailers because <laughs> I just feel like they just show too much. I think even the Black Panther trailers show too much after having seen the film. But um, I agree with you. It's nice to know that, like, you know, not only are is the series returning there, uh, but also, I mean, we're we're going to see, you know, all of our favorite characters there. It seems like, uh, you know, you got the Captain, you got the Hulk. I uh, saw, so, you know, Iron Man. I saw, you know, Black Widow there. We'll see. We'll see how that develops. Um, but uh, and I'm interested to see how the other aspects of Wakanda, the, you know, the Dora Milaje, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the tribe in the mountains, how all that comes together in the plot. Because you know, I, I, I would hate to see the story march on and it just be about T'Challa, you know, mm-hmm. uh, within the, the context of the MCU, and we only see those other wonderful characters we've developed uh, when and when and if we happen to return to Wakanda. Um, I'm interested to see what uh, what that storyline is, uh, you know, how that's handled in the upcoming film. Yeah, I want to see Sherry go up with uh, Tony Stark and uh, you know. Thank you, yeah, Bruce oh, yeah. Banner. <laughs> oh, she's beyond them now. Right? Yeah, yeah. we'll see her like teach them like a thing or two. <laughs> you know what? I would really be interested to see, like maybe I know we've seen you know some new Iron Man armor mm-hmm. in the trailers for. Uh, for event, you know, for Infinity War, maybe you know, maybe she has a hand in that. We'll have to see. It'll be really yeah. interesting. That's That'd so be pretty exciting. cool. And you know, we are definitely going to have. And you said if we have another, I, I mean, this is going to set so many box office records. I mean, mm-hmm. already it's already making so much money. And what do you think that means for the industry at large? I mean, I, I think it definitely proves a lot of people uh, wrong, and <laughs> I may, we'll have a big difference. Make a big difference. I, I would think. Well, I mean, as I as I wrote, I mean, I feel like it's poised to prove to Hollywood that. Black narratives, African, African American, throughout the diaspora, you know, and through our lens, most specifically, mm-hmm. have the power to generate profits from everyone. All people can be interested in a movie that has that kind of budget, that has that kind of cast, that has that kind of director, and still come in and it can be profitable. My hope is that this makes Hollywood a little bit less cautious. Because I think Hollywood is too often wrapped up in their own uh, preconceptions of what you know audiences demand. They're you know they're worried that it won't sell uh, internationally if it has a majority black cast. They're worried it won't uh, appeal to quote unquote mass audiences. We need to stop thinking about whiteness as the default here, mm-hmm. and really you know start to explore stories that are a little bit more prismatic. Um, you know throughout, especially when you have a series like the Marvel Cinematic Universe that is you know, so profitable that it can afford to take some chances. Well, and you mentioned in the story that we need more Nate Moores, who's one of the producers on this movie. You know, it's, I think a lot of producers think white is the default because they are white and that's how they see the world. But a guy like Nate Moore wants to, you know, have different kinds of stories told on the screen because he is not a white guy. Exactly. And Nate Moore is, you know, of course, you know, one of the driving forces behind the, the fact that, you know, behind putting Black Panther in this narrative at all. Uh, I mean, you know, from what I understand from Kevin Feige has said uh, that, you know, he was the one, Nate Moore, who suggested putting Black Panther in Civil War. Uh, and, of course, he ends up having, a, you know, a, a key role in the film. Mm-hmm. So it's not just like he just was introduced in one scene. And it's like, oh, yeah, by the way, there's going to be a solo picture. He was integral to the plot. So that was, uh, that was, that was key to see. And, and, yeah, there might be some people saying, like, oh, 
you know, there have been black superheroes before. What are you so excited about? You know, there's, there's the Falcon, there's War Machine, there's even Blade from, you know, the late 90s. Um, but those stories of those heroes were not told by black people. They were not told within, you know, a context that is inherently black. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why it's worth getting excited about. Um, and I, th- I hope that people understand that, you know, when you're having fun and you're enjoying all the, like, pyrotechnics in this film and all the, you know, interesting, uh, you know, character, uh, you know, arcs and whatnot, that they, you're watching a black movie. Enjoy that and soak that up. It's, it's, it's okay, because believe me, we're used to having it be the other way around. <laughs> Absolutely. I think that's a great message. Like, I mean, it's... We we can already tell mathematically that all of America is going to see this movie. So I mean, like the numbers show that people are embracing it. Indeed, and and what you know, again, getting back to Hollywood, there are other franchises to develop here, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a superhero. You know, there are other black superheroes that you could make you know franchises out of, but there. I mean, I would I would hope that this opens DC's eyes at the very you know if we're talking about keeping it within that realm, opens DC's eyes and makes Green Lantern you know instead of making it Hal Jordan go with John Stewart, mm-hmm. you know that's an that's a that's an interesting character to develop there, um, and you you bring in a, you know another black character other than Cy, Cyborg, um, you know into into the mix. So I I just think that you know there's there's so many different things that you can develop here. Um, and I think that, you know, there's a whole series of Afrofuturistic novels by Octavia Butler that have yes. never been made into film. All these different worlds that we can continue to explore um, that haven't been made into television series, films, or, um, you know, or even limited series. I just think that, you know, it's out there for the taking. Um, there, there are profitable franchises to be made. Hollywood just needs to have the courage to take them on. You know, I was thinking about when Bridesmaids came out, I guess a number of years ago now, and all of a sudden they're like, oh, women can be funny and we can make movies and people want to yeah. go see them with that. And right. it might be that kind of moment now. Girls Trip was the same way. I mean, you mentioned Girls Trip in your piece, but yeah, I, I remember thinking I went and it, the theater was full of all women from different backgrounds. Mm-hmm. So I think, I don't know, not to generalize, but I think women got a little like, onto that message a little faster where they were like, oh, I can, I can see this. <laughs> Tiffany Haddish is a star no matter where you are. Exactly. And, you know, yeah, I think Bridesmaids was, you know, was groundbreaking in that way, certainly. And, and yeah, one, one can only hope. But at the same time, I'm, I'm, I got to defer judgment a little bit here because, you know, we've seen, you know, some really financially successful black films in the past mm-hmm. that haven't been followed up with similar films of that ilk, you know, to, to capitalize on that success. I mean, think about something smaller like The Best Man in 1999. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a movie that made four times its, 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 you know, relatively low budget. But we have not seen too many uh, films that, you know, that, that replicate that. Um, and also it took 14 years for it to, you know, for them to have a sequel. That's so holiday, yeah. I'm, I'm waiting to see if, you know, people respond in the right way. I'm optimistic. And so are a lot of uh, black people in Hollywood whom I've spoken with since I published the article. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I just need to see it actually bear itself out. I think there's a fandom now that there wasn't even a few years ago that's like very hungry and organized. Oh, for Wakanda specifically? And, and just, you know, for, for, you know, people of color and you know, yeah, women sure. in movies. Where it's, there's, a, there's a pressure and in a good way now. 
Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and, and here's the thing is that, you know, people, you know, who might want to try to stand in the way of that progress, um, who, you know, condemn it as, oh, it's racist. Why I have a movie about Black Panther or why it's got to be all about blackness. Well, you know, they're not going to be able to stand in the way of this. Right. You know, mm-hmm. it's a juggernaut. Um, and so my hope is that, um, you know, you know, similar to you know, other political milestones we've seen in the past, this this actually proves to be a milestone. Um, and you know, honestly, I think Marvel's got their next Iron Man. I mean, they have a mm-hmm. franchise that's bankable, that's appealing, and it has a, a you know a, lots of layered and interesting characters. Like, why shouldn't we see another two of these at the very mm-hmm. least? Fingers crossed. Well, listen, we need we know you need to like we know that you need to get going. So thanks so much <laughs> for taking the time to talk, man. It was really great talking to you. Likewise, thank you. All right, have a good one. Jamil Smith, Time Magazine cover story on Black Panther. And now joining us is Jamie Broadnax. She's the founder and editor-in-chief of Black Girl Nerds, which is an incredible site filled with lots of great writers and podcasters and YouTubers talking about geek culture from a female and black perspective. We're going to talk about Black Panther tonight. Jamie, how you doing? Hey, how's it going? Doing thank well. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you for, be- for, for being here. Yeah. Happy Black Panther Day. <laughs> yes. Oh How many times have you seen the movie so far? I've seen it twice. Oh, my so God. I'm a little behind everybody else. <laughs> How many times have other people seen it? by now. Five? Um, but I plan to see it next weekend um, with a friend of mine, so. Nice. Yeah. How many have, so the people who work, because you have a lot of people working on your site, like, what's the average there of people have, having mm. seen it? Um, pretty much most of the girls, um, have seen the movie. They saw it last night. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple of us that saw it earlier than that. Cause, um, there was the premiere that happened. And then the day after that, they had press screenings. So, uh, some of our, my, our writers were able to do the, uh, press screening. And then one of them also went to the premiere. Oh, wow. So yeah, it was great. What did they say the premiere is like? It looks incredible. Well, I was there. Um, oh, it it really was incredible. I mean, all of Black Hollywood was there. What did you uh, wear? I wore. I went to a local African shop in my neighborhood and got this nice, like, wrap, African wrap, and a matching head wrap as well to go wow. with it. Um, it was magenta in color and had these beautiful patterns. Um, and yeah, everybody was dressed to the nines. It was, it was fantastic. I mean, like I said, Black Hollywood was there. So I'm like walking around. It was in the Dolby Theater in Hollywood and I'm walking around and I see Ava DuVernay and then behind me is Donald Glover and then to my left, Janelle Monae's right there. And I'm just like, this is bananas. And then where I was seated in the theater, Issa Rae was one row up from me. Um, so yeah, it was, it was crazy. There was just a lot of folks um, in attendance, and I'm just shocked that they actually let me in the building because <laughs> I'm used to being the one, you know, being told no, no. <laughs> I mean, you got a, you got a big social following. I mean, your site is really. I mean, there it's a real hub for yeah. for people who are nerdy. I mean, it's a great site for. I mean, I, I love reading it and just a different perspective than uh, so many other people's uh, websites. A lot of people who look like me talking about geekiness. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I, you know, I, I really appreciate the support that we've received over the years. I'm really glad that people love what we're doing. It was 
it was a scary leap of faith the day that I decided to launch Black Girl Nerds because I was concerned if people were going to think that this was being divisive or, mm-hmm. you know, that we're trying to separate ourselves from other nerds. And, and really, I just wanted to see myself reflected and represented. And um, I'm glad that people have embraced it so much and that we're, we're growing and, and becoming a reputable, legitimate media publication. So it's it's great. You know, it's funny. We were just talking with Jabil Smith, who wrote the Time Magazine cover story uh, about Black Panther, and he was saying that he's hoping that this movie helps lead to lots of other movies, or you know, superhero movies and science fiction movies mm-hmm. with you know people of color as leads. But he's not holding his breath. You know, every time there seems to be mm-hmm. a big success, there is not a follow up. And I said to him, there are a lot of great websites and a culture now and a fan culture that there wasn't there before that really leads the way and pushes for these things. And I think Black Girl Nerds is a big part of that. Well, thank you for giving me that kind of credit. Um, <laughs> Yeah, you know, I'm 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 really excited where we are today. I'm an optimist. I don't think that this is something where you can say hold your breath. I think that the opportunity is there uh to see more stories like this. Uh and I also think that, you know, with events that I'm a part of like Universal Fan Con where we're the first convention that's about diversity and inclusion. And we're supporting projects like Black Panther because we actually did a free screening for local residents in Maryland. Awesome. I, I think that this is just the beginning of a renaissance for a lot of us and for the blurred community, mm-hmm. um, the portmanteau term for black nerd. <laughs> um, so I, I think it's great that um, this is just a good time to be a person of color and to be a nerd and to be a part of this the subcultural community um, and, and Marvel has seen a lot of what we've been doing and Disney as well. And, and it's why BGN is given opportunities to, to go to press junkets and to go to premieres. And, and I hope that they'll continue to support platforms like BGN and um, allow uh, bloggers and podcasters and content creators of color to be able to support these films because that's ultimately how an audience is driven to a movie, right? It's promoted, it's amplified on socials and folks get hit to it and they check it out. Um, So I hope that kind of happens, but kind of to directly address your question, I I do feel that um, with the success that Black Panther has made so far, that maybe studios will, you know, look at this as um, an example of, of what people are actually thirsty for and hungry for right now. And, that at the end of the day, the bottom line is what should matter. You, you want to make money at the box office. Mm-hmm. Do what Black Panther's doing. Yeah, man. They're making a lot of money. Yes. <laughs> Crazy money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you talk about them reaching out to you, that being Disney, them being Disney, reaching out to you yeah. and, you know, letting bloggers in and podcasters in to see the movie, talk about the movie. I've been curious, what has the marketing been like and both at grassroots level and, you know, media marketing and the relationship with Disney for you guys? You know, have they been very proactive in reaching out to you? Did you have to reach out to them? Because I think that's, you know, tells a large story about how aware they are. Yeah, yeah. Um, So I remember when they first announced Black Panther was going to be a live action film and everybody on social media was in a frenzy about it. And then that hashtag, Black Panther So Lit, mm-hmm. just started trending like crazy. So people people were getting excited on social media and trending hashtags about the film years before the film was actually 
you know, being made. And I think that says a lot about how the power of social media is right now, that we can put things on folks' radar that isn't even being mass marketed by a corporation or a company, but in fact is being mass marketed by a grassroots, you know, group of folks, fans, um, that want to see this thing made. And as far as Disney's concerned, you know, Disney, they, they see the Twitter account, they see the amount of followers, they see the reach. And they also notice that obviously the moniker of our name is <laughs> a very specific demographic that they haven't really marketed to. Mm-hmm. Um, and also Disney is working internally and I only know this because I've been to summits and seminars with them but they are working internally to be more diverse and um, not only on the film side of things but also with respect to their merchandising Um, so I I think it's really good that they're making the effort I hope that that continues because I know in some circles Disney isn't popular to some people but I think they are trying to make that effort, and I appreciate that they've given our platform um, the support to be able to cover these events. Because for us, the access is what helps Black Girl Nerds become um, a, a legitimate and respected publication, and that gives us opportunities to continue to build and, and grow and and hopefully make this you know a big business, which is where I'm at now, is trying to make you know BGN like my full time gig. Um, but, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm appreciative of Disney and I, I hope other studios follow suit. I hope other studios will see the impact and use multicultural marketing and reach out to young content creators of color to, to support these, these entertainment properties. Uh, I mean, speaking of black women, one of the things that blew me away when I saw it was I didn't realize that T'Challa's entire support system is black women. Like it. He, he had an entire team of they were women. Awesome, they kicked ass. Yes, in different yeah. ways. Like yeah. they, their expertise were, was all over the map. Like his military leader is a woman. His tech leader is a woman. I mean, was that? I, I imagine that was amazing for you. It really was, and I think we should definitely attribute, you know, Ryan Coogler and Nate Moore and, and the team to. Take some creative liberties there from the comic book mm-hmm. and give these women some more agency, give them more fully fleshed out stories, have them on equal footing and not just be these subservient characters to T'Challa. Because even though um, General Okoye is a loyal protector and, and ser- servant of her king, you know, there were moments where she disagreed with him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there was moments where she had an opinion and she was very blunt with it. And T'Challa allowed her to, to, you know, say that. And, you know, in the comics, they didn't speak to anybody else but T'Challa. They only spoke in Hausa. Mm-hmm. And, and, and they couldn't even talk to other folks that T'Challa was talking to. So those different kinds of liberties that they took, it was a big deal. And, and I love the fact that 16-year-old Shuri is the smartest girl <laughs> and the, mar- the smartest person. In the Marvel mm-hmm. universe, like that—that's a huge deal. She's <clears throat> funny as hell, too. Yeah, she makes fun of him for being a nerd, even though she's the tech <laughs> yeah, genius. Even though she's a nerd, yeah. Yeah, I loved that. I, I feel like she was the, a scene stealer for sure. Oh yeah, I think there's gonna be so many people cosplaying as her too. Oh my god, yes. Her her outfit was just amazing. The makeup was 
fantastic out of this world like the costumes in black panther are mm-hmm. just on a whole nother level and shout out to ruthie carter for doing the damn thing <laughs> it was something that i just i don't think i've seen anything so elaborate um in a marvel film this in this way and uh yeah i'm, I'm blown away i feel like people are going to be cosplaying as these characters for a very long time. Comic-Con yeah. is going to be awesome. Yeah, for once. Yes. <laughs> even even down to like the details, I love that Shuri's lab looks like she decorated it herself. She had like wall art behind her. You yes. know, that's that's crazy. Yeah. That is crazy and then and it goes back to the conversation about the women because mm-hmm. Hannah Beechler, Beekler, I keep mispronouncing her name. Hannah Beekler was the production designer that came up with that kind of art. So we've got Ruth Carter doing yeah. the designs of the costumes, Hannah, and then Rachel Morrison, the cinematographer, who was just nominated for an Oscar for Mudbound. Mm-hmm. So I just I think this movie is unprecedented in so many ways. It's it's fantastic. All right, so you were at the premiere, which is incredible in itself, and then you got to see the movie, which is you know being at the premiere is awesome. Then having a movie that good mm-hmm. is so fun. What were your thoughts when the credits rolled and the you know, the final credits rolled after the final scene and they kept doing the Marvel thing. <laughs> Once the lights come on, yeah. what are you thinking? What thoughts are going through your head? So first of all, I have to say, to this day, I really wish people would stop leaving the theater when the credits start rolling. Oh my God, I know. Like, <laughs> Do you not have the uh, internet? What is yeah. like? Yeah, it's like how many years have Marvel been making these movies with these post-credit scenes, and you're still leaving the theater? What is wrong with You've you? You've got to wait so you can read the explainers on every yes. single site is going to put up later. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I, I really love the the first post-credit scene um, with T'Challa just addressing uh, the UN about. Wakanda no longer being this isolationist country. I think that that's great, that it's going to be a nice path to what we're going to see in the future films. And then, of course, the second post credit scene with mm. Bucky was just... I was, I was expecting to see Bucky, i got to be honest with you, because we, you know, he's in Infinity War. Yeah. So it's like, okay, well, how did he get unfrozen? So how are we going to explain that? So I, I knew that they were going to show that, but... Still, to see him there with Shuri, and we know Shuri's designing his arm. Like it's just, mm-hmm. it's amazing. I I loved it. Isn't it great and kind of ironic that uh, Bucky's a weirdo in Wakanda too? Like he <laughs> he does not have a home on the earth. I just love that the kids in Wakanda were like, "Look at this weird dude." <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> and one of my friends who um, I went to the Thursday night screening with, he picked up on the fact that it was Bucky. When Shuri had said that line, when Martin Freeman's character, um, Everett K. Ross, mm-hmm. was brought in on the stretcher, and she says, another white guy. Oh, yeah. And he was like, another white guy? Oh, the other dude is Bucky. I was like, dude, Whoa. I did not even catch that. That's hardcore. Yeah, yeah that went right <laughs> over my head. So what were, for you, like, the standout moments in this movie? Because there are so many of them, mm-hmm. and we could talk, we could break it down forever. So what to you really stood out as someone who is a nerd, someone who likes a comic book, someone who knows this stuff and has been waiting a long time to see this movie? Yeah, oh, what had God. you cheering? There's, I know. It's or like crying. Sophie's choice. Like, how do you pick just one scene that stood out? Mm-hmm. Um, 
I really liked Shuri's uh, design center. I, I like the moment with her and her brother, and they're testing out the suit, and she shows <laughs> the powers of how it can absorb an impact, and <laughs> that moment when she's recording it, and he's like, what are you recording? He's like, you know, for science, and... <laughs> You know, like, those moments with Shuri, really, honestly, every moment with Shuri was, like, a standout moment for me in the film. And then the fact that Joe Robert Cole, like, insert, I don't know if he gets credit for that line, but, you know, he wrote the screenplay. But mm-hmm. the fact that um, Shuri says that line one oh my goes God. to his shoes. Yes. Like, oh, my gosh. Vine. She would watch Vine. That makes perfect sense. <laughs> it's funny. Vine, yes. And it's funny to think that this is an isolated nation. You know, like, they can't, the rest of the world can't know about them. But she's still on yeah, Vine. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah! Like, Wait, doesn't she mention? She says uh, Coachella. Yeah, she I must, love she's that. Got to know this shit. Yeah, she's like, I'm still listening to the music. I just don't want to leave Wakanda. <laughs> and, it's, and it's funny to think about like, what does that mean? And they don't really get into it because there's so much in this movie. But what does that mm-hmm. mean? Like a 16 year old kid that is so smart to be mm-hmm. kind of like in this isolationist area. I could, I'd watch a whole movie on her. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I have a feeling she's like sneaking, watching a lot of American television and buying <laughs> videos, obviously. Like she's probably a little obsessed with American culture. Yeah. She's got a she's got a vlog, but she doesn't tell people where she is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, you guys, one, someone who worked for your site uh, started like a hashtag, what Black Panther means to me. And it really went viral and took off. And that was to yeah. me. Uh, a huge moment and you know reading through them I, I knew that the movie meant a lot to people but really reading it really hit home yeah yeah Kayla Sutton is our director of online marketing and every now and then we find try to find new ways to engage with our followers and fans and and get folks excited about things that are happening in the blurred community and obviously Black Panther was at the top of the list so she came up with the tag what black panther means to me and it just went viral instantly Mm. and i mean truth be told a lot of a conversation surrounding this movie have gotten very popular on social media but i think there's something even deeper that resonates with people about this film that's more than just a comic book movie that this is a film that represents them in a way that they haven't seen before. I just did an interview recently with Florence Kasimba, who plays AO, one of the mm-hmm. Dormelage in the movie. And, you know, she talked about a different kind of representation that I never thought about before, but she had mentioned how women have come up to her and said, thank you, you know, for being bald in mm-hmm. this film and that I rarely get to see a black bald woman in a kind of big motion picture like this. And, and I don't, I don't get to see myself in that way. So, um, you know, she's just like, I'm someone that's representing these non-traditional ideals of what femininity is supposed to be with respect to hair. And, and these women, you know, are, are connected in that way. So I just, I, I think it's touching a lot of folks in just very significant ways. And, and people are just, you know, making this film, more than just what most of us are seeing as this, you know, blockbuster shoot 'em up action movie, but it's it's really a story about us and that's for us, by us, as as people of color, as black people, just seeing a myriad of different folks from different communities and, and also seeing that blackness is not a monolith and also seeing that Africa and con- or the countries within that continent are not these third world 
poverty stricken communities. Like it's it's just a big deal all around. So um, I'm I'm not surprised that it took off the way it did, but I'm happy that it it resonated with a lot of people. Yeah, I mean it's gonna make. I mean, just financially, it's gonna bl- like it's gonna make so much money this weekend. <laughs> it's gonna make so much money, and oh, yeah. and it's like you know we were talking about Jamil Smith with two, we were talking to Jamil Smith about this and that it proves to Hollywood what you've kind of been preaching uh, with your site and people have been saying that like people want to see these movies and it's not just a niche. You know, you do have a site that's you know black girl nerds, so you would think it's a niche, but it's not. It's a huge group of people and everyone wants to see these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Black girl nerds, believe it or not, um, are demographics as far as like web traffic is concerned. We actually have more male readers than women. Whoa. Um, so, yeah, because uh, and, and it kind of doesn't surprise me because if you think about it, the nerd subculture is still predominantly mm-hmm. male. Yeah. Um, you know, comic books, gaming, anime, those industries. Um, are, are still predominantly male. So, yeah, a lot of guys do frequent our site for those kinds of, of topics. But um, I'm glad that BGN is universal to a lot of the fans and followers and that they understand and get the message that this is going to be told through a black feminist lens, but we're not excluding you from being a part of the conversation. And we treat that to all of our fans and followers when mm-hmm. we're having conversations on social media about all different kinds of topics, whether it's Black Panther, you know, whether it's what's Trump doing this week or <laughs> or whatever that's, that's happening in our, our pop culture spectrum. Mm-hmm. You know, if you, re- you rewind like a month even, or two months really when the movie came out, there was so much backlash. I, don't hate, I hate to use the word backlash because it was just stupid. Yeah. Just stupid lash <laughs> at uh, The Last Jedi, right? And it was in part because they've got women in great roles. Yeah. I mean, the best roles. <laughs> to be mm-hmm. honest with you. And you have, you know, you have um, Finn, who is a black guy, and yeah. people, you know, there's these alt-right assholes who are making a big, big fuss about all of it and causing problems online. Mm-hmm. And now this feels like a great, you know, bookend to that, like, all right, well, how about Black Panther comes out and just blows you all out of the water? Yes. I love that Rotten Tomatoes was like, no, we're going to shut that shit down <laughs> before it even begins. Like, we've, yeah. we learned that lesson with Star Wars and you're not even going to have a voice. I think that's great. I think I think it's fantastic. I mean, fanboys and and racist trolls mm. and all of those folks that are being antagonistic towards seeing diversity. I guess they're going to be mad for a really long time because this is going to continue to happen. We're going to see more of these um, stories told from diverse perspectives mm-hmm. because. That's the makeup of our world right now, whether people like it or not. Like, the world is not filled with a whole bunch of cis, able-bodied white guys. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we we really need to um, translate what we see when we walk outside of our homes every day and and bring that to our our entertainment. And, um, yeah, stay mad, bros. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is like it's just such a good movie that's the thing like I mean yeah. for yeah. all the identity issues and things like that but it's just so well done and so well written it looks so good and mm-hmm. that like there is no part of it you can really I mean sure you can quibble about any movie but there's no real part of it you can say you know it is not deserving of all the praise that it's gotten yeah exactly I agree yeah I mean it's a it's a good film like and I, why are people getting hung up over things like just enjoy the movie 
remember, it's a work of fiction. Like, at the end of the day, <laughs> it's going to be okay. <laughs> this is here to entertain you and make you feel good. It's not, we're not, you know, trying to make you angry about things. It's just that, again, like, I think diversity is something that a lot of people want. It's not what all, you know, the rest of us as people of color. It's not just us. It's everybody wants to see um, different folks being mm-hmm. represented. So it's it's very important. And, you know, it's it's an exciting time right now. I Again, I'm an optimist. Like, I, I really feel confident that this is something that is going to continue to build. And Black Panther's a bit of a watershed moment right now mm-hmm. um, in terms of comic book movies and, and entertainment films that have Black leads. So uh, I'm excited to see what's up next. And I hope everybody supports A Wrinkle in Time yeah. as much as they're supporting Black Panther right now. You know, I was thinking that we've also run out of just like white male leads who are even worth being superheroes. Like Chris Evans can't play every superhero. <laughs> and so right. like, like there's no one really left that like we could even like have Listen, a superhero movie. I, I am waiting for the announcement to come from Kevin Feige that Iron Man is now going to be played by Riri Williams. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Tony can't do it forever. It's yes. True. Like I can't think of a, like a white guy who I want to see play a superhero. Like anyone left. No. We're out of Chris's. <laughs> no more. Yeah, we've run out of the curtain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you mentioned a wrinkle in time. That's going to be awesome too. I mean, it's like this one-two combo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just, I'm just excited that you know, I, I didn't read the book, so, and I actually don't know a whole lot about the background of the story, but I'm just excited that Ava DuVernay is at the helm of a 400 million dollar production mm-hmm. Disney film. Um, and that our lead, Storm Reed, is a young black girl and is just leading the charge. And it's also very diverse with the other characters. We've got Oprah Winfrey and Mindy Kaling represented. And I just think that that's a great thing to, to see. And it just looks so beautiful and whimsical and, and fun. So, I, I again, I, I really hope folks come out and, you know, support that film because it, it took a lot of money to make it and they need to make that money back and then some. You're going to have to tell us what the premiere is like when you go to that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I was a huge fan of those books. And the weirdest thing about Storm, the the like primary thing is that she's awkwardly intelligent. Like she can't relate to other kids her age. And I don't know, to see this actress play this role, it's like, that's great. You know, she gets to play the nerd who finds her confidence by saving the universe. And that's awesome. That's awesome. That's amazing. I can't wait to see it. Yeah. It should be be interesting to see how the reactions are to the film um, after it comes out. And I've I've seen some of the marketing and I I love really um, the way they've done the socials with the different gifts from the film. It's, mm-hmm. it's really great to, to see that. So it's a good time. Well, we'll have to it's talk about time. that. We'll have to talk about that soon. Jamie, thanks so much for being on the show. It was really fun talking to you. Thank you. It was great to be here. I really enjoyed chatting with you guys. Absolutely. Absolutely. 